what I think what happens is our athletic departments and even normal people underestimate what strength and conditioning can do, what strength and speed work can do, what that performance coach can do for your athlete. Because guess what? They're going to be with them all the time. And then now that coach has a huge influence on that one athlete or 600 athletes. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Paid Forward Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Keegan Walls, with my trusted co-host, Austin Seward. And today we're joined by Eddie Hodges. Uh, so we're super excited to talk to him about fitness and so much more. Uh, so Eddie is actually the owner of Three Rivers Performance. He's the co-owner of Revive Wellness, the co-owner of Get Fast. Uh, he is also a trainer for different schools and athletic departments and he is part of over 13 state championships 13 state championships just alone with football and he also has airbnb so he is also loved by us as a real estate investor himself so thank you so much for for joining us today i appreciate it thanks for having me here yeah spent some time with the 49ers yeah and Mm -hmm. he spent some time with the 49ers which we'll get to i'm sure we'll talk about that Mm because that's pretty sweet so he was the assistant strength and conditioning coach for the San Francisco 49ers, which all of our Packer fans will love to hear. Yeah, I'm sure they will. As a Vi- as a Viking fan, I saw that and I lit up and I yeah. said, I had a baby, yeah, go I'm get sure. the Packers. So so uh, you also just got back from Panama, yes. correct? So you were on a mission trip. So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So the, the mission trip to Panama was through First Free Church. Um, so kind of got added really last minute and it was an opportunity to go down there to really help out with the people. They've been going down there now for 10 years, and the opportunity to go down there was we fly down there, we work with the indigenous people, we help build a community, we spread the word of Jesus Christ all in that community as well, too. So the whole trip down there, you know, I had zero expectations of going down there. A lot of other people had different expectations because they've been there. They've, you know, maybe it was the first or second time as well, too. But I just went down there. I just wanted to kind of embrace the moment. Be where your feet are is a big thing that we always talk about. So I just wanted to be where my feet are, kind of experience that, what that life is down there. Being in a third world country was dramatically different. And I think the biggest thing it did for me is put everything in perspective, right? The stuff like walking up to a drinking fountain at Aquinas High School was different after I got back because down there, their water wasn't filtered at all. So you had to always watch where you're eating and watch where you're drinking and all that stuff around here. And putting on, you know, I go home and there's five different shoes I can wear, but down there, there was a little kid that had Crocs on that had the bottoms wore out. He's never had a pair of shoes. You know, we go down there and give t-shirts away and stuff like that. It was just a really, really unique experience. And really, you can feel the um, the presence of God with you and with in our community. And it kind of takes a busyness away from up here where it's like, we're doing this, doing that, doing this, doing that. Down there, it's just like, now it's, everything's around you. Now you really got to put things in perspective. So I think that was... Um, the big life-changing event for me. Um, and then coming back here and trying to help kids out, especially a lot of kids that we work with are very well off. So trying to put things in perspective for them, if they, you know, like they complain that they have to wake up earlier, they don't have their favorite t-shirt on for the day, or like they can't get into a certain training session. Hey man, it's not that big of a deal. You'll be all right. Yeah. Or just same thing in business, right? Yeah. If something's not going the right way, it's just like, it'll be all right. Sun's coming up tomorrow. It'll be okay. Yeah. So it was really cool. That's awesome. How long were you down there for? Um, 10 days. 10 days. Yeah, I think January 23rd through February 3rd, I believe, is when we got back. So we had five days that we were kind of up in the mountain. Um, we did three different ministries. Well, technically four, but three. One was a um, building. So we kind of did that building ministry. The other one was children's ministry. I did a lot with that. That was kind of really fun. And then the other one was an adult ministry. So there was um, stuff for females down there and then stuff for males. Um, more adults. And then the last one was Bible distribution. That would puts a lot of things in perspective. You knock on someone's door and there's a bunch of sticks and tin is what they walk out with and their dirt floor. And they have three kids, uh, eight kids in there, three to eight kids, chickens and pigs are living in there with them. And they have mattress that they sleep on and they wake up every day and they do life. And it's just really touching to see all that stuff with the Bible distribution. And same with the kids. So a lot of kids that know when their last meal was, they don't know where mom or dad was half the time or any of the time, but they show up to school and they play around with us and how joyful it is to see uh, a male figure in their life. So I just try to be that for them. And then two, the males down there um, and the adults, they just, their culture is very 
different than ours, right? Number one. Number two, they don't know Christ, or a lot of them don't. And the ones that do are learning about different things in our culture. So they don't know how babies are made. They understand kind of the process, but don't understand the the science behind it. Like us, that we learned in maybe second or third grade of like how babies are made. They have no idea. Like a guy asked, how do I get my wife to stop having kids? He seriously didn't know how to. Or why does one woman have two kids? He didn't understand that process. So just basic education in that and then basic education too of like a band of brothers. What's a band of brothers? They have no idea what that meant. To us, it means, you know, close friends in Christ and looking out for one another and holding each other accountable. They didn't understand that. They don't have that community down there. So it was really cool. Man, we've talked a lot on the show about uh, serving and giving back and mentoring. And um, it seems like you go on those things and you 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 do that stuff and we get more out of it than we give. You know what I mean? 100%. And you go down there to give and to serve and to do these things, but we come back with a whole new perspective and we we seem to get more out of it than we expect. Yeah, I 100% did that. Yeah. So. Cool. Well. Yeah, no, that's beautiful. So, so why don't we? Why don't you take us a little bit back? Yep. Just in your your fitness, your strength and conditioning coaching journey. When did it start for you? I mean, take us way back. I assume you were big in sports. Yes. Growing up, I'll go even way back, even before high school. Okay. So my dad was a bodybuilder back before I was born. Um, my mom met him way back. We're going way back. That's what I'm saying. We're going way back. So we got to start there. So we go way back. So my dad was a bodybuilder. Obviously, my Mom and dad had me, so she was from up here. She was actually from Blackhammer area originally, but from Caledonia. Then he followed her up here, obviously, because she was pregnant with me. And um, he came up to this area. Obviously, this trucker, over this over the road trucker, that's a bodybuilder, kind of a unique mm-hmm. situation in and of itself. And then we lived right across the street from the football field, you know, the Caledonia football field. So um, my dad watched, you know, he was big in football down there, and his Big claim to flame is he trained some NFL kids when they were super young. I forget exactly who it was, but like that's his that's his big claim. But he's a trucker by trade, so he came up here, and he was just kind of watching the football games. So a lot of dads saw him, and they know that he lifted. They're like, "Hey, can you train my kid?" He's like, "Sure, I got you know a squat rack and a bench press in the garage. Send him over on Sundays." So back in 1993, the Caledonian weight room started in our garage. Me, I was two or three years old at that time frame, just hanging out and kind of doing- Spotting. Some, yeah, spotting. <laughs> <laughs> Climbing on the barbells, yeah. doing a bunch of random stuff. So I guess my uh, passion for fitness started kind of then, and it started with my dad. So building out from there, obviously they built a place for the high schools to lift in, and then from there they built a brand new school. So we moved into that new school and um, everything in that aspect. But my dad saw the bigger, faster, stronger stuff that's pretty solid in Wisconsin, pretty solid in the Midwest, and- he understood powerlifting, but powerlifting that correlate over to sports. So he wanted to try and find something that was kind of optimal. So Olympic lifting was a huge thing that he found. Um, our mentor up in Cannon Falls, Scott Safe, was kind of brought him on. And then uh, Carl Frichty, which is another close coach of mine, which I see him as a second dad. And him and my dad are best friends. And me and Isaac are really good friends as well, you know. So with Carl's speed background, my dad's like, you know, Olympic lifting and strength background, we just kind of tied those two together, and then it was me and him on Sundays and Mondays, and you know, then Maria came in there, a couple other kids came and lifted with us, and then we kind of just paved the way that way, and then my dad started training the team aspect. The whole team had to lift, you know, a little bit before I was, when Carl Klug, or, you know, those guys, mm-hmm. Carl Klug or Kevin Klug, Carl Klug played for the Tennessee Titans, and then, um, so he was a big one that came out. He was four years older than me, and then, so then we started, he started training the team aspect, and then from there... I went through high school and my dad says, well, you're helping me now. So I kind of got roped into it, got my level one certification for weightlifting and then started helping him out for it. So I guess my first internship was underneath my dad. Mm. And then that's kind of where it started from there. And then I wanted to be a cop at that time. So I went to school at Western Tech and tried to become a cop and realized everything happened. I believe it was when Ferguson kind of happened. I don't know if you guys remember that back. I think it was in 2013. So started there and then realized that was all happening. That wasn't a thing for me and just kind of had a, got talked out of being a cop and then transferred up to Winona State to get my bachelor's degree in exercise science. So then transferred up there, got my four-year degree in individual studies with an emphasis on exercise science and criminal justice, kind of double majored in a way. And then right when I graduated there in April, I got the GA spot, graduate assistantship, and they started working with teams. So 
my undergrad up there, I was working with teams as an intern as well, but now I get teams assigned to me. So I'm working with uh, girls soccer, um, gymnastics, uh, volleyball, and then football. I assisted with that and helped, helped to coach out with that. That's at Winona. That's at Winona State, yep. Graduated with my degree there. Um, and then going to the 49ers connection now, this is where it links up to that. The strength coach at Winona State, Jeff Renardi, had his old intern that was the main assistant at the 49ers called him and says, hey, do you got a guy that would be interested in this? So I looked at Jeff. I'm like, hey, mm. <laughs> <laughs> kind of interested. Yeah. And so one thing led to another. So in this industry, it's 100% who you know and who you work under and how you get to that level. But And then wow. went out there. And so that's kind of the start of the fitness journey and the kind of evolution of up to that point working with the 49ers. So what year was the 49ers? 2016. So the easy year that I can communicate that to is when people know this, but when Kaepernick did all his kneeling. Mm, there so go. that was when I was standing on the sideline. His first did it was against the Packers. He was actually sat on a cooler. There's pictures that you can pull up and see that. And then in the pictures, you can kind of spot me kind of stand on the sidelines as well. But, um, but yeah, so that was when he did all his stuff that year. And then we had Chip Kelly as the head coach. So we were all there for a year, and then everybody got let go, and then Shanahan came in right after Including us. the coach. Yes. Because oof. Including the GM. <laughs> including the GM. The GM, Trent Bulky, I think his name is. He was from Bemidji originally. I think he's with Jacksonville right now. Okay. So he's down there. So that was the GM at the time. But So what was that like? I mean, what was your role as the assistant strength coach? Like how involved were you with the actual players? Uh, pretty involved. So we did, again, in the field of strength conditioning, we do a lot of setup and teardown, right? So before we get there at 5 o'clock or 5.30 in the morning, or they'd pick me up at 5.30 in the morning, we get to the facility, start setting up for the first uh, team practice. So we... Had skills doing one thing, had big skills doing another thing, and had bigs doing another thing. So we they come in, they do a static dynamic is what we called it, like neck circles and all that fun stuff. And then from there, we did an activation. And then um, from that standpoint, we worked down to, um, they went off to practice. We did more of a dynamic. And then after practice, they lifted. So in that group, I was kind of with the quarterbacks and then the kickers and punters and long snappers and stuff like that, kind of hung out with them. Our involvement during practice wasn't much besides a warm-up. Yeah, And then we kind of sat around and hung out and make sure that stuff was set up for the lift after that. And then on game days and stuff, we, you know, did stuff. We get there. It's unbelievable when you step back and actually a part of that, what actually happens on game day. Hmm. We get there five, six hours before game starts and guys are doing stuff on the field with us. Hmm. You know, being, watching it, you didn't think that would ever happen. But, you know, or we go through TSA at the Levi Stadium and instead of, you know, going to the airport, we have a charter airplane. We'd fly and do stuff throughout the night. And it was just, it was pretty cool. And so our interaction with the players was pretty heavily. You know, we're always working with them, always doing stuff with them, always making sure that there's protein shakes and there's different shakes for each individual person. Um, the only person that we really had to watch out for because we made all the, we didn't make the meals, but we designed the meals on the planes and what they ate and all that stuff. We only had to design one meal and it was Kaepernick because he was vegan. Really? Yes. He, transo- he transitioned over to vegan, I think it was a year or two before I got there and he was a vegan athlete, which I think he switched off that now because you can't sustain off that based off the protein intake and a bunch of other nutritional values that come with that. So it was a unique dynamic with him. Yeah, whoa, whoa, whoa. There was a documentary. There's quite a few vegan, the Tennessee Titans. Yeah. Yeah. They have a, one of the, I think one of the wives cooks vegan mm-hmm. and a bunch of the players started, started going in. How do you do that as a high performing athlete? How I, do you, I, mean, I don't. There's protein and other stuff besides meat, guys. Technically there is, but the essential protein that you yeah. need is in yeah. a lot of other meats and stuff. So, but it's just, it's sustaining. It's a very inflammatory diet. So it's hard to maintain it and hard to keep it. And especially being a high-performing athlete, you need the optimal nutrition, dialing in everything, which I don't think veganism has it. But well, what was the culture like being a part of a professional sports team? Um, it was actually really cool. Uh, it was a lot of different types of stuff that we had to do, like setting up stuff because the... Um, GM and the head coach oversaw a lot of the field. So we couldn't run anywhere as a coach because then you seem unorganized. So we had to walk. So that culture was different. Hmm. Um, you don't have to yell at guys or get after guys anymore. They're professional athletes. They're making $10 million more than I am. So I'm not going to, what am I going to do? <laughs> right? I'm making bare minimum and they're coming up to me. I'm like, hey, you got to do this. Hey, ah, no, I'm not doing that. All right, well, I'm going to go next guy. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, um, yeah, it was, it was different. The culture there, especially um, – it was a losing culture because of everything that happened, and then we just weren't that good that year. So that was different for me to be a part of after being a part of so many state championships and stuff in my career and so much success. So I got to see how not 
to have a culture or not to see what I want to develop in a culture. So it was, it was unique that way. How much of that culture is from the leadership and the coach versus the, the players that are on the team? I would say a lot of it is from the leadership as coaches because the, the leadership as a coach is kind of dictate and kind of keep guys in line, but it all comes out to the heads of each position. Position group comes down if they're slacking a little bit, the head coach slacks a little bit, the strength coach slacks a little bit, then that culture kind of gets wiped out. If everything's on par and the standard is set across high school, college, or pro, the guys will buy into it. I mean, look at the, the culture that was set at the Patriots when Tom Brady was there. Look at the culture now set at the Kansas City Chiefs with them there. The culture is set very high standard. Now, if you let things slack a little bit and let things kind of roll, then stuff starts to fall apart. That's with anything with business, with other high school teams and anything like that. So it's it's different. And I think the biggest thing is, is just kind of nipping that stuff right in the butt right away. Mm-hmm. So. Is it possible to have a winning culture with a losing football team? You know what I mean? It's easy to have a great culture if you're winning. As a Vikings time. fan, I'd like to argue. I think it is. <laughs> I would say yes, because sometimes talent doesn't dictate where, like, where the team's going to go. Sometimes the talent, like say you're at a Division Five football team in Wisconsin, your talent's not there, but your leadership and your culture, everybody's working hard, everybody's bought in, but you guys just aren't that good talent-wise. I think you could have a winning culture there. Because especially in high school, and that gets me to another couple different things of why I'm in high school, now we can have an impact on those students the rest of their life. Mm-hmm. You know, we've had a few parents at Aquinas that come up to me that own businesses. They love to work with Aquinas kids after they graduate because we get up at 6.30 a.m. and they lift with us in the morning. Now they have to get up in the morning and go to work at 6 o'clock. They don't even buck an eye at it. But now that same employment person says the typical person that they try to bring on is complaining. Now their high school kid isn't. So now we instill discipline and hard work within that high school kid. And that's why they're so mold and so um, sponge-like at that age that you can really dive into like stuff that, you know, will translate over to the rest of the part of their life. Before we go into high school, did you have a favorite player you like to work with? I, I assume you kind of get close. Like, did you have one that you're kind of friends with? Um, not really with the 49ers because I was there with such a short term. But now after, so going, continuing my career, afterwards I came back to Minnesota for a little bit and then went back to Arizona and worked with individual guys um, in the pro sector. So it was a performance perf- enhancement professionals facility down in Arizona. His name is Ian Danny, who owns it. High-level guy, trains James Harrison, Brock Osweiler, oh, all those guys. So I got to work one-on-one with a lot of those guys. James was really fun to work with. Um, he was kind of two different people, one person on the camera, one person behind closed doors. He's awesome. A lot of those guys down there, I would say they're like one of my favorite guys to work with. Um, Brock Osweiler was fun to work with. I worked with him up in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, out of, um, his, uh, out of a high school up there. Not his high school, but a high school up there. He was, he was really fun, really personable. Cal Fuller is another one. He's with, I forget who he's with. He's either a free agent right now or with a team. But back when I was working with him down there, super easy guy to get along with, super easy guy to hang out with. I can go down there now and text him or call him and say, hey, how's it going? He'd answer right back. So like a lot of those guys at that facility were really close because you become, you're a one-on-one trainer with them. You know, with the 49ers or the college team, you're kind of just with the whole team. And But Mm -hmm. to answer your question with that team, not really because I was there for so short and everything's just ebb and flowing really quickly. But I became close friends with the other strength coaches who are now, one of, them, one of them is a head Tennessee football strength coach and the other one's assistant. So working with them or talk to them a lot too. So oh, That's cool. really cool. That's some good connections. I assume James Harrison. Because you, like, yeah. you see his videos, the dude in the weight room's a beast. Yeah, he is. Like still, like he's, he's been retired for what? Yeah. 12 plus years? No, not that long. Really? I, he retired in 2018. 2018? So, and the thing is the the day I was training him that morning (laughs) and they all like, I didn't know that he had retired. He showed up at four 30 or five o'clock. Like he does every day, walks on the treadmill for 30 minutes and we're sitting there waiting for him to get off the treadmill so we can go warm up and do other stuff. He didn't say anything during the whole workout. We talked naturally. And then all of a sudden ESPN, James Harrison retires. I look at him like, why didn't you tell us? He's like, bah, I don't know. (laughs) Really? Then he trained continuously. His big thing, his big reason is his kids. They're getting to that training age now where they live back in um, Philadelphia and stuff like that. Not Philadelphia, um, Pittsburgh. So he want to come back and like work with them and the kids come down there. So he just want to kind of be more free to do whatever he kind of wanted to do. And he put in his time. Yeah. That's so, awesome. But, so, so what's the main difference? Because you, you work with high schoolers now. Like what's that, that key difference from that next step, right? So you've worked with high school, 
college and the top professional athlete like in the training world what are some of like what's the main difference that sets that apart yeah so the biggest thing we work with high school kids we're trying to just teach them form teach them to understand discipline teach them what the weight room means and hopefully if those kids buy into it right away now we can dive into it with more speed and strength and all that stuff but and then the college world now is just getting more dialed in like more maybe a little bit more position group or a little bit more weakness with something that whatever that team has to work on and then from the pro sector side of things now that really becomes detailed you know maybe you have a guy like james harrison that can bench press 405 and incline for 10 reps okay well he's pretty strong right you get to that standpoint of like you can bench two times your body weight you can or one and a half times your body weight you can squat two and a half times your body weight now you get past that is it really worth pushing harder in the weight room? Because now is it diminishing returns? I don't know. But is it, you have to work that much more harder to get that 1% more? It might not be worth of it. So, but now you put him on a, you know, do a single leg squat with him and now he can't single leg squat himself. So he can squat bilaterally with two feet, but now he can't do it with one foot. Now you work on that weakness where you really dive into, you know, why is your tissue quality really bad? Then you do performance therapy of like integrative um, massage and all that stuff with them to really dive in to see how their muscles are reacting. And then too, work on seeing what their weaknesses are in their game film and all that stuff and kind of dive in too. So working very generalities of teaching an athlete what a weight room is. Now we're diving into like, what's your minute weakness and how can we make that just a little bit better? Awesome. So how much of those guys at the pro level are there based off of their God-given talent and how much, how many of those guys are there from the grit and determination and fundamentals that they built at an early age. And why can't I think of the movie, the guy, Notre Dame football Rudy. player? Rudy. Rudy. Yeah. How many are, How there, many Rudy's? are there Rudy's out there still that have just have made it from their pure determination and grit and resilience like um, you, that yeah, may yeah. not necessarily have that God-given skill? Like, if I worked hard enough, could I have made it? Yes. Well, I think you... I don't know. Maybe not, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, but... I would think there's a lot of guys. One of them comes to mind is Christian McCaffrey. He, his grit and determination is huge. Um, I know his, uh, his speed coach, Brian Cooler, really well. He comes up here and does a speed camp in, in Caledonia. He comes over to my facility, hangs out. We go on a boat and stuff like that. So I know uh, Brian Cooler really well with Christian. His determination, his work ethic is beyond anything that you can imagine. James Harrison, same thing. You see that guy, he's what, five foot ten, five foot eleven. He's not a big dude. He's not very skilled, but he dialed in everything to the T and did it. Same thing, like you don't have a body like J.J. Watt, right? Like that's a huge guy and massive. He might have some more genetics behind it. Or, um, you know, genetics was maybe Brock Osweiler. He was 6'6", and he could throw the ball pretty well. He doesn't have to really rely on a lot of skill work. But, like, I would say probably about 50-50. There's about 50% of guys that are really dialed in, and there's 50% of guys that haven't worked really hard or just kind of fell into place of, going right into it and surprisingly enough there's the guys in the nfl that are not that strong mm. you'd be be surprised and now but you get them on the football field now they're freaks they're absolute freaks because that's what they love and that's how they've grown up and that's how their mind works and i've worked with a lot of guys that aren't very intelligent outside of you know you get down and talk to them on one-on-one yeah it's like sometimes you're talking to a brick wall <laughs> <laughs> but you put them on a football field and like holy cow here they go so mm. yeah Wow. Do you ever think it's like, because again, like McCaffrey, yes, he's got the grid determination. He's also got the nice last name. So he does have some genetics with dad and brother and stuff. But is that like the key, like, like the key differential in terms of, because when you're talking James Harrison, Christian McCaffrey, you're talking elite, right? Mm -hmm. Like you get into the NFL, 52 man rosters on 32 teams. So how do I stick out from everybody there is athletic Mm -hmm. at some regard? Is that really the determination and what they're doing in the off season and the training and the conditioning, what makes them elite, the pro bowlers, the hall of famers, that kind of thing. Absolutely. It does. hundred percent. It does. You know, you look at Caledonia, we're what, a town of 2,500 people at that time. We have two NFL guys that came out in the past 10 years, you know, Isaac Fricking, Carl Klug, the stuff that they did behind closed doors that nobody else saw. Now, you know, there are two white kids from the Midwest that, you know, you want, if they didn't have the opportunities to keep working and keep having the background, Maybe they won't be in the same situation. But the determination that they put behind closed doors that nobody else saw set them up for the opportunity to get to that position. So what you're asking is, is everything behind closed doors determined to get them there? Yes, 100% it does. Even the guys that are really talented, 
or really think they're talented, but they don't work hard, sometimes it doesn't get the opportunity for them to get in front of other people. But yes. Yeah, that's awesome. And so now you go from that to opening up Three Rivers and Lacrosse. So you're in the pro and the, the college. Why why decide to come back to lacrosse and open up your facility? Yeah, so I worked at the high, uh, high school level, beginning, right? Worked at the college level, worked at the pro level, and then worked at a private pro level in Scottsdale, Arizona. Um, number one, I came back to this area to be closer to family. That was the number one thing. And then number two, this area needed something. There's Before me, there was nothing performance-wise. If there was, there's this guy did this random thing over here and this guy did this random thing over here, but there's nothing community of like, this is a performance center. So that was a big thing, a reason why. So I came back in 2019, started working on my Mitsubishi Eclipse car that people forget about. I did personal training at each person's house. And then from there, I created enough capital and created enough um, connections where I'm like, okay, I'm going to open up a spot. Actually, a few buildings down from you guys right here on 6th Street. So then I opened up that spot and then kind of just rolled with it. But the big reasons why I came back is I hate the politics at the professional level because they can bring you in and say, you're done, see ya. And then the politics at university levels, as we can see across our country and within our culture right now, what universities are doing and what they're taking, they're slacking on a lot of things and they're not putting athletes forward. So there's so much to go on to that. I don't want to dive back into that world. I want to enter it on my own terms. And so that's where I'm just like, you know what? I'm just going to do it myself. And if people don't want to come, then they don't want to come. But opposite happened. People came. We opened up during COVID. We opened up January of 2020 great time to open up business <laughs> right <laughs> to, nailed it um you know we were closed for those two or three weeks when everything happened i flew down to arizona worked with nfl guys for a few three few more weeks i didn't want to leave their house came back to this area when kind of things got relaxed and i'm just like you know what screw it i'm just gonna open up and then from there people flooded to that area because people want that community they want that culture they want to be held accountable and the people we brought in and um, we had a model there that we kind of, I just came up with off the flies is stronger people are harder to kill. Mm-hmm. You know, at the end of the day, it's, or that's a gunshot wound or someone fighting you on the street, or there's a virus inside you that's trying to fight you. The stronger you are physically, the harder it is that you're going to be able to kill. And the harder it is you're going to be able to give up on the field. You know, and then we came up with another one when the speed certification came out. Faster people are harder to catch. At the end of the day, they are, right? Mm-hmm. It's kind of a fun, unique thing, but um, you never, when we teach speed and all that stuff, you never hear a guy saying, well, geez, Tegan, you're way too fast. You need to slow down, you know, or so you're all, everybody's always trying to get faster. Even to this day, you know, if you want to go do speed work, you want to be faster, right? So faster people are harder to catch, stronger people are harder to kill. Those are our big two models right now, even to this day. It's hmm. awesome. And then what does Three Rivers focus on? Because obviously gym and you have some other stuff, but what's your guys' main focal point? Yeah, our main focal point right now is, um, I would say to youth is a big one. And then high school athletes. Youth is a big one that we're trying to develop right now. Anywhere from that, I would say that 10-year-old to that 17, 18-year-old is our biggest, I would say, our market or our, our specialty. And then from there, we can dive into adult classes and stuff like that as well, too. But what the biggest thing is, like, what's our biggest, like, what is our main focus? It's not really a good thing. It's like, what are we really good at? We're really good at training the whole part athlete. So we're taking that athlete, you know, not just strength-wise, speed-wise, mentality-wise, recovery, nutrition, diving all that in one facility, and that athlete has the opportunity to kind of get all that. Um, same things like NFL guys, what we had at that facility down there, they had everything that they can dive into and be a part of. I want to bring that back to high school and, and adults in this area. And now you can because you just opened up. So where's where where's the new facility that people can find you at? Yeah, so we're at the Lacrosse Boot Factory. We just moved into there. Uh, so we're off 1501 St. Andrew Street. So it's kind of unique. We have to go in the back in the, it's kind of go through some gates and kind of get in the back back there. But we have an 18,750 square feet facility. We have 6,000 square feet of indoor turf. We have about 6,000 square feet of wrestling mat space that a flow jiu-jitsu and, you know, Aquinas Wrestling, they're going to be renting that out as well. And then we have about 1,500 square feet of um, weight room space. We have a chiropractic, we have a PT, we have a recovery room, not the recovery room that's next to Viterbo. <laughs> We have a recovery room with Norbertech compression, infrared sauna, and a bunch of other stuff, therapies in there too. And then we have obviously bathrooms and offices space in there too. So yeah, it's, it's, we're kind of back in that boot factory and everything, but we kind of tackle a lot. Uh, so people are, are parents hiring you for their kid or teams hiring your facility to work with their team? Is it more individual or more team-based? 
Yeah, so it's all the above. Okay. So we do individual stuff, whether that's one-on-one working with them, and then two small group stuff can still be individualized, but still working in a small group. Um, teams contract us out as well too. So we're in Aquinas High School. We're in Holman High School. Winona State Football has contracted us out to do all the strength and speed stuff. Cash in high school, we're kind of dabbling in them, them a little bit, working more with individual teams there. Um, there's youth sports that are in this area too, like a baseball team or uh, A-level volleyball. We we contract, do all their strength and speed stuff for them. So we do anywhere from the one-on-one to team setting to high school to colleges down to small groups to high uh, to adults and different types of classes in that as- aspect as well. So it's kind of the wide range of everything. Um, not so much we're the Walmart of performance centers, but we have enough coaches and enough professionals on staff that we can kind of niche ourselves in all that market. Yeah, that's great. Mm-hmm. So you've worked with 13 different state championship football teams. What's the differentiator between those winning teams and, say, an average team? So it all goes back to the coach, right? You hate to say that, or some coaches are too humble to say that. And I know a few of them that are that will never say it, but it all goes back to the coach and the culture that they demand out of the athletes. So you set the expectation and you hold the athletes to that expectation. At the end of the day, that's what it is. There's clear cut, dry, what to expect and what to do. And you put in the work and you trust the process is the biggest thing. You trust um, the coaches because why? You have a relationship with them. Think of the coaches that you guys have worked with, that you trust and that you would do, you call them up tomorrow and ask them to come move a house and they'd come over and help you out with it, right? Same thing. So our coaches... And at our staff and the high schools that we're part of, we create that relationship with that athlete. Because once that athlete can understand you and have a relationship with you and they can call and text you whenever in a professional way, therefore, you tell them you're going to run through that guy as hard as you can. And they're like, okay. And they legitimately believe it and they do it. And you tell them never to give up, to die on the field or to die in the weight room or whatever you want, they'll do it. So the biggest thing is that trust that you build into that. So if you build that relationship with the athlete, and it's going to take some time to do that, and with that team, you get the trust, and then now it's not that complicated. People want to overcomplicate training. People want to overcomplicate everything, right? They want to have a guru for this and do this and all that other little things. At the end of the day, it's not that complicated. You have to show up. You have to work hard and do what the professionals tell you to do. And that's what the culture is created at these schools. So, you know, like... Tom Lee at Aquinas, he did a great job of when before we were there, they were, you know, starting to build up a little bit. But before that, he was 0 and 10 or 0 and 8 and all those years of they were just getting crushed. And then we came in 2020, not saying we're the differentiator, but at the end of the day, Tom just looked at us and said, I trust you guys 100%. I'm your biggest soldier in the weight room. Tell me what to do. So I'm like, okay, this is what we've done at Caledonia. This is what we've done at a few other schools. And I've worked with some other teams. I said, just trust me on this. This is what we're going to do. You guys handle the X's and O's. I'm not going to tell you what to do on the field. And I expect the same respect that you're not going to tell me what to do in the weight room. Because at the end of the day, we're just a sport coach. A sport coach that can work with the athletes all year long at all levels, right? So then we can really build a relationship with the athletes and tell them to run through a brick wall. They'll run through a brick wall. And, and we're kind of that mediator between a sport coach because they don't get to work with them all the time. Athletes trust us so we can kind of create that relationship, create that unity within them. And now they have that brotherhood or that sisterhood, depending upon what sport you're working with. Now they trust everybody and they're willing to die for each other. There it goes. And there's everything is going off that. You don't have to have, there's been years. And I think coach Rick at Kelly will say, um, and at other teams that we've worked with that, we know sometimes we're not that talented, but the guys work their tails off. They, you know, run into people, they do what the coaches are told and they work their tails off. We're going to win games. You're going to win games. And same thing, think of that as a business owner. Think if you have, now we have employees that I have a relationship I built trust with and they trust me and they trust our vision. Now they're going to go bat for me. They're going to work beyond the hours that I, you know, require them to because they just love it and they want to be there. So that's the biggest thing in the culture building side of things is starting with the relationship and actually caring about what they say and not say, hey, what do you think? And then they tell you something and then, oh, yeah, I'm just going to go do this thing. Because now it's like that trust isn't there. You don't have the relationship, right? So the biggest thing is just getting the one-on-one with those athletes. And the cool connection I think we have as coaches at Three Rivers and that I have is we understand this culture at this day and stage in high school. We can really relate to them. We can really – it's that weird dynamic where you can have fun with them, but yet once you bark a little bit, they snap them. Because 
if you're too friendly with a, you know, if your coach is too friendly, now the athletes think that you're a friend. Or if you're too hard of an ass, then they don't want to, they don't care about that. But you got to play that fine line of like, okay, I, I expect a lot out of you and here's my expectations up front, clear cut and dry. And they know that, you know, deviate from that. Because now if you dictate saying, here's my expectations for you, here's the standard. And then now it's like, you go away from that. Now we're not checking you in on lifting days or not doing this and so on and so forth. Now the athlete's like, oh, well, he's just saying that now it doesn't mean anything. Now you lost that trust and now athletes don't have that culture there anymore. Yeah. So, man, I'm just getting a lot of flashbacks to high school talking about this. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I had an outstanding football coach, Coach Iverson, and he came in. His first year was my sophomore year, sophomore year, I think, yep. in high school. And then I started junior year, but got to see on JV kind of what the varsity team was doing and I mean, he came in and it was an absolute 180 from mm-hmm. where it was. And it was 6 a.m. workout, 6 a.m. workouts Monday through Friday, blew out walls, created a whole new gym. Um, and in the time that I was there, I mean, it went from just a football team to the entire athletic program at Maguanago at 6 a.m., filling the gym, working out. If you were there at 6.02, you went home. Um, you weren't allowed to work out at if you came late. Um, got funny, funny story, but yeah. t- talking about culture and holding people and setting expectation. And, um, <laughs> one, uh, we had a, a game, it was a preseason game and we just botched it. I yeah. mean, we did terrible and we were a pretty good football team in high school, but we did terrible, just weren't given a hundred percent. And coach Iverson took us out back of the field by the M shed after the game he said, sit on this hill, started ripping us a new one. Mm-hmm. And we're all just sitting there and we're all beat. We didn't even get to go see our parents. Usually you go to the bleachers and see everybody after. He didn't let us. said, look, we're going out back. And we went out back to the practice field. He sat us down on the hill, ripped us a new one. He said, you guys don't deserve to get better. And we thought we were going to have to go do up downs and run sprints. Yeah. And um, he said, you guys do not to get, you not, you don't deserve to get better after that performance. And our entire football team sat on that hill. It was almost dark, and our coach went out and did what do we call them? Uh, Indian reminders or something like that, where yeah. it's five yards, ten yards, twenty yards back, all the way down to a hundred yards, and then back down. And Coach Iverson did that, and we all watched him do it. He said, "We don't deserve to get better," and we had to watch him do it. He got done. He was exhausted. He said, "Go home." And you better believe we came ready to go yeah. to the weight room the next day. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but man, it's and some of that stuff is drastic. I'm not. Yeah, he, he wasn't a perfect guy, but yeah, as most um, coaches aren't. But man, he was. He what he said he meant, and he showed that. And there was no doubt that this was just some facade that he put on. Like, man, he lived it. Yeah, and people bought into it, and we were a really good football team because of it. And we had some really good natural talent, but um, it was really fun to be a part of yeah it's it's wild what a a great coach like that can have an impact on your life yeah now you just remember that like hey you're not trying hard enough you're not doing stuff good enough well remember coaches did that after a game okay i'm gonna dive back into it a little bit more and like what coach frickty has done to us when we were younger too it's like we're you know slacking at practices get off the field yeah you guys are done get off the field you guys don't want to be here that's fine get off the field so he kicked us off a few times and we're like we got back in there and we're like you know what we're going to go back out there and work harder. So then we got back out there. So it's that, it's that mindset of like, not you're trying to play mind games on them, but you're trying to set the mentality of like, okay, it's either you're going to work hard or not do it at all. Yeah. So how do you do that to a team that has a terrible (laughs) culture, that bunch of average lazy guys? And how do you go in and flip that 180? Like, are you going to get guys that say, screw you, I'm out of here. Or sometimes it's the highly (laughs) talented teams too, right? Because they're super talented. They've been, they've been told all their life, I'm I'm the best, I'm the best. Yeah, yeah, so what we've done in the past or what I've done in the past with teams like that or you have to flip a culture around, it's, and I hate to say this, but the seniors, they're already bought into that culture. They're already done. They're, they're their last year. It's hard to focus on them and change their mind because they're going to do what they're going to do, right? So it's not so much you're going to come in and flip that culture that year. Who knows? You might. But now you bring in the youth. You pick those good youth kids that you just are no solid kids all right, you're going to be in the weight room. This is the expectation I have for you. Bring a buddy. And then you just keep building that, keep building that, keep building that. And then now your ninth grade is your best lifting class in there. Mm-hmm. And then now time they get to seniors, now they have that winning culture, right? Mm-hmm. 
So that's kind of where you focus on the youth or you focus on whoever you can. There's a lot of seniors when I came into the spot, they're like, coach, I'm all bought on. What do I need to do? Perfect. Just understand you're probably gonna get a lot of flack for this or you're gonna be a try hard or you're gonna be all that stuff. I hate that term, yeah. right? It's a try hard. Yes, I'm a try hard. I'm gonna try <laughs> way harder than you and good luck in life. And um, so that mentality is just kind of working with those kids and really developing them. And I would say starting with the youth. Now you have a winning culture, say at Caledonia, right? They won five in a row. How do you keep that going? Or you won three in a row. How do you keep that going? The, the youth has seen the hard work of the seniors and juniors all those years. And now you expect the same thing out of the youth and the youth just, it just becomes ingrained in them of that hard work and mentality and all that stuff. So if you want to continuously build stuff, especially at Aquinas right now, right? When I first came there, we won a state championship. Next next year, the juniors and sophomores, I want to win one too. All right, this is what you need to do. Dial into it. Again, 6 a.m. at Aquinas, 6.30, we had 85 kids come to our summer lifting. Our weight room has 10 squat racks. I have 80 kids I need to get through the weight room. So we got to figure it out. And that's great because I got to be super creative so they get an adaptation and they get stronger, right? Um, and that goes back to the standpoint of you put a stress on a body, it's going to adapt, right? So... Creating that culture within the youth and getting them to buy in and getting them to go there is is the biggest part because I'm I assume you, were you when he first came in did they win a lot of years, though or win a lot that year or not really? Um, I don't remember the first year. Um, we had a a lot of really good athletes that bought in in my class, so we did very well. We were in in deep into the playoffs pretty much every year. One year last year we were one game away from state. Yeah, actually I think we no yeah it was we never. They never made it to state before. But. Okay. Yeah. So, but still you have that yeah. culture of running deep in the playoffs yeah. and all that stuff. And now like your standpoint, you have this really talented team, they have a bad culture, but they win a lot. How do you fix that? It's a double-edged sword there. Mm-hmm. Like you got to expect a lot of them and maybe take one or two of those kids and they want to get to that next level. You help them out in that aspect. But that's where things can be really muddy when you have super talented kids and they don't work hard. But now, how do we motivate them to work harder? You find out what really drives them or what they're really motivated to do, and you lay out expectations of other people that are super talented, what they've done to get there. I can always relay back to James. I can always relay back to all the NFL guys I've worked with. Mm-hmm. You want to get to that level, that's great. What you're doing right now, you're not going to get there. You're working as half as what I know what those guys did, and you probably have 75% of their talent, you're not going to get there. It's straight, this is how this business works. Because there's 15 other guys at Division Ones that are going to get there. So, but that's just kind of the yeah. creative way. And that's kind of a cool point, too, of like what you're saying, the building of the culture. Sometimes that goes unseen because now it's all oh, the state championship teams. But a lot of the success is built on the backs of the people that put in the work to start changing the culture, like the dirty work of mm-hmm. pulling the weeds to get it ready to be able to plant the seeds that's going to bring success. Yeah. So, um, but then also just how amazing and cool that our area, in case anybody doesn't know you, mm-hmm. has somebody like you who has the background and the resume and the training of, I've literally worked with, prof- like, I know what it takes. Mm-hmm. I've worked with professional <laughs> athletes. And, like, to be able to work with somebody, like, to have your high school athletes be sent to somebody who knows exactly how much work, how much uh, motivation it takes, dedication, and the actual, like, application of, here's the actual training you need to do to get better. I just think it's unbelievable for our area to have somebody like you. Yeah. And especially in this area, before I came, nobody knew what sports performance was, generality, right? Nobody knows what it takes to get to that athletics level. I wouldn't say nobody. Majority of people have no idea. So we spent a lot of the times the past four years of building that and educating people and diving into this stuff. And now there's been other entities that come into town or there's been other people that pop up that are more sports performance, right? Which is great because it's only going to help this area. It's only going to help us as a business as well too, because people are going to see that and want more of that. So we're going to dive into it. But yeah, there's there's aspects in, um, you know, in gyms and stuff in this area that people want to be a part of, but they don't understand the community that we provide until they show up. We always say, if you walk in our doors, you are not going to walk out because of that culture and that winning culture and that community where people want to be where we're at. Like going back from Dylan Martinez, we were at the IWC Integrative Wellness Complex at Winona State in 2015. Hey, you know, I'm a GA at the time. I'm like, I'm going to open a gym. This is what I want in a gym. And we started, you know, brainstorming ideas and stuff like that. So going back to where Three Rivers started, it started in 2015, you know, on paper. And then 2020 is finally when it got built. Five years later is when we actually enacted it. But it started there, especially when we were uh, grad assistants there. 
we had interns, we had people that just hung out in our office all day, you know, shot the shit and just kind of hung out. That's exactly the community that I'm trying to develop at Three Rivers, right? Obviously, you got to pay and all that stuff to get in there. But the community, once you get in there, you're never going to want to leave. We have athletes that sometimes hang out there for two or three hours and, you know, hang out with our coaches and talk to us about life lessons and talk to us about like, hey, this is what I want to do or I don't want to go to college, but, you know, I want to do this. Okay, that's that's okay. You don't have to go to college, you know? So it's it's kind of a cool, unique experience and parents come to us afterwards and like, thank you. I've been telling my kid the same thing for the past 10 years. He hasn't listened, but you said it once and now. <laughs> yeah. So at the end of the day, we do sports performance, but we will repeat what parents tell their kids. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. which is awesome. I mean, kids are just bullheaded. Every, all of us probably when we were in high school would say the same thing. I won't listen to my parents. And then if somebody who's not your parents says the exact same thing, you go, wow, they were really wise. I better listen to what they're saying. So mm-hmm. um, and I think that goes for, I mean, coaches too. If they, they hear it from a coach, it's one thing. It's like hearing it from your boss. But mm-hmm. if you have a coworker that tells you the same thing, or if you have somebody who's not a part, not the head coach telling you to do that, you're going to listen. So Exactly. And that's what the unique dynamic that we have at Aquinas right yeah. now is the coaches will come to me, hey, can you tell the kids this? Or, hey, I'll go to them and be like, this is what I told them in the weight room. Can you tell them this? And, and it creates that community within the coaches yeah. because at every public high school right now, and I almost guarantee you, there's a lot of stuff going on where this coach is fighting over this athlete and that athlete's fighting over this and that and all the other things. It's like, quit that. There's three-sport athlete. When it's in season, it's in season. When it's your season, it's your season. When it's out of season, let them do whatever they want. Don't hold them accountable because – if they didn't show up to a football practice or they didn't show up to a basketball practice in the summer, you're going to hold them accountable in season? I call bullcrap on that, right? Their best time in the summer is to get them stronger and to develop the skills that they want to develop, the sport that they're in favor with. But with that community within coaches that we have at Aquinas is so unique and so different compared to a lot of other schools that we're a part of. Mm. Because then now we're all on the same page and everything, and you can see that there. At, we have, I think it's an 87% of the kids at Aquinas play a sport. I think some 90-some play in an, or do an extracurricular activity. I think all but a couple of students don't do an extracurricular activity. So it's really unique in that aspect. Now, if we can model a lot of other schools like that, think of what that's going to do for our culture and our society. Mm-hmm. It's going to be wild. But So how have you taken those skills that you've learned in the athletic realm and brought them into your business? Same thing. So I'm the head coach in my business. Right, I'm the head coach. I'm the head strength coach at you know at a university. I'm a head strength coach at a high school. I'm a head strength coach, or I'm a head coach in our facility. Who's my assistants, and what are my assistants doing? And diving into that, and then holding them accountable like you would athletes. Right? Okay, I expect this. I tell you to do something. Now you're one of my main coaches. You better do it. Mm-hmm. You know, same thing. What we have. If you have double-edged standards, or do you know have this set standard over here, and but not do this over here? Same thing. We're humans. We see that. We're not going to trust people that say one thing and do another thing. So taking all those aspects that you learned in athletics and applying them to business, they go back and forth so uniquely and so perfectly. It's it's awesome. And that's how we've kind of developed it as well, too. And I assume from athletics, athletes, when you guys were, you've probably taken a lot of determination and grit and discipline that you've taken that and applied it to your business as well. Yep. I mean, for me, athletics has been foundational to my work ethic and discipline and um yeah, just knowing what it takes. So I think that's some of the most successful people that I know. Mm-hmm. High school athletics, college athletics was a foundation for their their work ethic. Yeah, and I think a lot of employers rather hire a former oh, athlete. Hundred percent. Yeah, mm-hmm. I know the CEO of a bank in town, um, actually all across the Midwest, and he said I would solely hire athletes for my salespeople. Mm-hmm. He said if you weren't an athlete, I wouldn't hire you. If you for his sales force. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it matters. It does. It matters tremendously. Yeah. And I think, and people that are so against athletics, I don't understand if they've ever been through it or they see the positive impact that it has. And granted, there's bad coaches out there and there's bad teams out there and there's bad people in athletics too. I'm not saying we're all perfect, but at the end of the day, what athletes get out of it is going to transition over to business and to life a lot easier than a person that just sits on the couch or plays video games and stuff yeah. like that. So, But people who haven't participated too, don't understand that level of competition, right? Correct. Because somebody who's never competed, they see it and they go, I don't get why they're getting so upset. And it's like, you, yeah. your brain almost goes a different place. Like you don't really understand competition then if you've never done it of like, well, it's just a game. It doesn't really matter. And it's like, okay, but if that's the case, then nobody would even be playing. So yeah. they, they just missed the whole the whole thing. Um, but, but going back to 
just you and, and your your strength and conditioning training, like for you specifically, I think it's really easy to notice like the differences of like head coaches, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's easy to say, oh, that's a great head coach. Yeah. Ah, that's an average head coach. Because you're seeing what they're doing. They're calling the X's and O's and all that stuff. But every program has somebody running, typically running the, the strength and conditioning, the weight training. So like, what is it that sets somebody apart in that department? What makes an unbelievable strength coach? And I was even on the drive here listening to ESPN radio, right? Yeah. The Packers just hired a new strength and conditioning. Yeah. And they're always joking that too. Well, what are they going to do different? Lift the weight harder? Like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of hard to differentiate. So in your eyes, what sets apart a great strength coach? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I've seen a lot of them throughout the years, right? And going back on that, every school should have the strength coaches, but come to find out there's not a lot of people or they have a designated fitness instructor or they have designated weight room coordinator or like whatever. But at the end of the day, if you if those schools aren't dictating that as a head coaching position, that's where you're going to have ebbs and flows of people coming in and out and not trust built and all that stuff. The biggest thing I would say is for a strength coach to come in and to actually create those relationships with everything is to have that one-on-one conversation with kids, being able to relate to them, being able to get them to trust you, right? Always going back to that conversation we had earlier, relationship building. And uh, once that a relationship building is there, then they have that trust within you. Now, if you have a coach that comes in, Packers, hire a head strength coach, right? If he comes in and he says, this is how we're going to do stuff, and he sits in his office and writes the programs, it could be the perfect unicorn program that's going to make them faster and stronger and everything. But if he's some dipweed that sits in his office and that is a kind of a prick half the time, nobody's going to buy into it. And even that perfect program isn't going to mean anything, right? But if he goes out there and tries to figure out what each athlete, what kind of makes each athlete themselves and really dive into that and show him that he cares and does different things like that, that's where he's going to set himself apart. And that's where he's going to make sure that those guys buy in, even if it's just, even if they're back squatting every day, if they understand the reasons why and they care about him and he cares about them and they think that it's going to work and make them faster and stronger, guess what? They're going to do it 110%. And they might get a lot stronger and they might get a lot faster. But that re- the ability to create that relationship with the athletes is a must. If you don't have that, then I guess you're maybe just a brick on the wall that you're just another meathead strength coach. And I think it's it, it it's a job, but it's an, it can't be just a job. It's no. not like you can go to work and put on this hat and come home and it's a different hat. Like it has to be who you are, hundred um, percent. Which, yeah. which is leadership. Yeah, like it's like yep. to be a great strength. Like you have to be a great leader. You have yeah. to be. Yep, you have to be a great leader within the weight room and then within life too, so yeah. people can see that. Right. It's. We have a lot of meathead strength coaches in this our industry, right? We have a lot of guys that are very educated, but they're not very personable. Yeah. You got to be very personable as a strength coach. And what I think what happens is our athletic departments and even normal people underestimate what strength and conditioning can do, what strength and speed work can do, what that performance coach can do for your athlete. Because guess what? They're going to be with them all the time. And then now that coach has a huge influence on that one athlete or 600 athletes. You know, so I think being able to put that worth on it and stop doing stuff for free because that's what ruined our industry is everybody's like, oh, I'm just a volunteer strength coach. That's great. But now if I want to come in and help change the culture and do that stuff and I require some payment out of it, oh, we can't, we can't afford you. So now they're going back to that meathead person or whatever that volunteer coach is that's going to be in and out all the time and not put quality time in it. I think you need to put value in it. And once you put value in it, you find people that are responsible and can create a relationship with athletes and then boom, it'll explode from there. Yeah. You talk about culture. They, they, that's what they said on the radio too. Like uh, pros a little bit different, right? Cause they got their own individual strength coaches, but college and high school, man, you want to, you want a culture changer, your strength, co- like it, it's your, your head coach and maybe defensive and offensive coordinator. And then it's probably your strength coach because yeah. they're going to spend far more time with them off season training. Mm-hmm. You want somebody to develop your culture. It's going to be the strength coach. Yeah. We call it. You spend so much time with them. Yeah, exactly. A lot of us call us each other, our culture coaches, yeah. culture, strength coaches, culture coaches really divide, dive into that and really, you know, help the culture and help whatever that sport coach is. We'll listen to that sport coach. We'll do what he wants at the end of the day. That's his team. Right. But at the end, but even bringing that down even a little bit more, we're going to do what we can do to create a winning culture there. And that, if that's through hard work and discipline, that's that's what it's going to be. So what about the the graduated people, right? I consider myself no longer an athlete. But talk about the importance of 
the strength and conditioning and the training that you offer for people who aren't the high school athlete or not the college athlete anymore? Like, yep. What do you, you ever, do for guys like me? Did you ever hear that Toby Keith song? I'm as good as I once was. Yep. Yeah. Rest in peace, Toby. Yeah. Right. Um, but same thing with that. You're, we can train you still as athletes. Now we're not going to be training you like James Harrison, but we're going to take those same aspects, how we train athletes and bring it in too. Because what's the number one, what's the number two things What happens when you get older? Your balance, you lose the balance and you lose explosiveness, right? Okay. You're 80 years old. You don't need to work on your explosiveness, right? <laughs> but at the end of the day, like it's still, it's that fast twitch in order to be able to not fall. So we, you gotta be, you know, on par with that. So not so much we're doing box jumps, box jumps and, you know, broad jumps and all that stuff with my dad that's 70 years old. But we're doing coordinated balance stuff of like single leg RDLs and some basic strength stuff where we can dive into it. And we're just basically meeting where you're at. So where you are at, that's where we're going to meet you. And then we're going to get you better in a performance way. You know, you're going to push a sled. You're going to run a little bit because the more efficiently you can run, the better you can run away from things in life, right? You know, if a bear's chasing you, you're hiking out with your kids, you can pick up your kids and take them and run them you know, a couple miles. I don't think you're going to outrun the bears. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because you're, tra- you're not training with Eddie. Yeah, right? <laughs> it's hard to, hey, it's hard to catch a fast person. <laughs> it is. Faster people are hard to catch. Yep. Remember that. Um, same thing with that. Like, stronger people are hard to kill. So working with the general pop, as we always say, our adults, um, we're going to treat you as athletes. You know, now you're, you know, you're a middle-aged woman that's coming in that's never touched a foot in the weight room. Huh. Our athletes are now are going to be, it's going to be more towards like a quote-unquote injured athlete, right? So we're going to build you up from there. We can always progress you and regress you wherever you're at. All of our coaches that we bring in have a bachelor's of exercise science. They go through our training system. They know how to coach athletes. They know how to coach people because at the end of the day, it's human movement, right? Our biggest slogan is advancing human potential. Whatever your potential is, where you are, that's where we try to get you to that point. So an adult come in. We have adult classes in the morning. We have adult classes in the afternoon. Um, you know, if you just want to do bodybuilding stuff, guess what? We'll do bodybuilding stuff with you and help you in that aspect. But we're also going to attack little things in life too. Like if you trip over a sidewalk, you can fall down, roll and pop back up and keep walking. You know, you don't fall down and break a hip at 40 years old. So we want to make sure that you're that standpoint because every movement in life is in, you're moving like an athlete. You're moving like a human, right? So that's where we can tackle the more adult side of things. But, you know, you're going to be in there training with adults as well, too. You're not training with high school athletes at that time. We have designated times for adults to come in and train. And our one-on-one stuff is really big right now. And I think understanding ath- or un- getting adults to understand what we do and why we do it, you don't have to go to, you know, like a burn boot camp. You don't have to go to CrossFit. You don't have to go to all these other kettlebell stuff and do all this other stuff because we'll incorporate all that stuff mm-hmm. within our training program with a barbell, with sprinting, with sled work, with all that. So I think the unique thing that in this area, these people don't understand it, just like they don't understand sports performance. So our adult performance is really unique and really fun, and a lot of parents and a lot of people love it because it's so different than what's um, typically around this area. In the big grand scheme of things in fitness, it's not that complicated. It's not that different, different, but it's different for this area. I'm glad you didn't shout out curves because that's where I train. So. <laughs> I was thinking Pilates, but. <laughs> yeah. oh. Well, Eddie, where can uh, where can people go to find out more about you and what you do? Simple, easy thing is threeversperform.com. If you go on there, search on our website, you know, there's a get started tab on there. They can click on that, fill that form out, and then we can kind of get started with that. They can follow me on Instagram at Coach Hodges. They can Three Rivers um, as well as on that too. And then. Revive Wellness, we have, I didn't really talk about much about that, but um, we have a float tank, infrared sauna, Soma Dome. Uh, it's a lipo melt. It's like a red light therapy. It helps out with fat loss. Um, a Soma Dome is basically a pod. You sit in it, it looks like a little spaceship, and you can meditate for 20 minutes, and then we have Normatec compression. So there's a lot of that stuff over there as well, too. It's um, revivewellness.com, or revivewellness.com, and then they can go right over on 6th Street over here and check it out, too. Uh, we have Facebook pages. We have Instagram pages for all that as well, too. Um, but definitely... Find me on Instagram. Usually re- respond to anybody on that. Um, if you want to know more about our business or just even come check it out, right? You just want to see what our turf space looks like, see what the indoor turf space, the only indoor turf space in this area, what that actually looks like and what our gym looks like and kind of what we're all about. Uh, we give away two free sessions. So if people want to just come on and try it out, no obligation. If they say, hey, this ain't for me, that's fine. We've actually have turned people away too as well. Like, hey, this isn't for both of us. You know, it's probably here's another gym or here's this other spots that you can be a part of and we're open with that we'll try to again we're trying to fix where you're at and help you where you're at so 
sometimes they might not be with us, but a lot of times people love and love our community, love everything we're about and love all the activities that we do. Awesome. Yeah. We'll, uh, we'll attach all that below so that, uh, make it easier for people to find you, but awesome. that's awesome. Yeah. You're looking, you're looking to improve fitness performance. You got your mom or dad of a high school athlete. Eddie's Eddie is definitely the man to, uh, to send them to. Yeah. I have friends that three rivers is their spot. So all I hear is great things and just the great man you are too. It's not just about being a good coach and, and then, like you said, kind of being a dipwad off yeah. to the side, like you, you, you practice <laughs> yeah. what you preach. Mm-hmm. I mean, you just got back from your, from your mission work. You're going to instill all the values and the character building and all that stuff, uh, with kids as well. So absolutely super, super awesome to, to have you on the podcast. And I know our area is blessed to, to have you be a part of it. Yeah. Thank you for having me on the podcast. Really blessed to be a part of it with you guys. Thanks for being here. Hey everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in. We sincerely hope that you learned something today. And as always, we appreciate your support and hope that you can all find a way this week to pay it forward.